Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to episode 339 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Thank you so much for joining me today. So how much do you take driving for granted? Just jumping in your car and never really thinking about the dangers. I know that I do. In this week's episode, I cover a terrifying story which shows just how easily an everyday drive can turn into the most dreadful experience. So there are no adverts today, so let's set some context for our guest of the month and year game. Top of the UK music charts was Bad Habits from Ed Sheeran. At number nine in the US charts was Save Your Tears from The Weeknd and Ariana Grande. In Australia, the top album this week was Tones and I with Welcome to the Madhouse. In the news this month, a tiny Leonardo da Vinci sketch, Head of a Bear, the size of a post-it, sold for $8.9 million at auction in London. No, it really did. Maybe I should put my Live, Laugh, Love piece from the range up for auction. What do you think? This month saw 337 people being killed in violent protests and looting in South Africa following the jailing of Jacob Zuma, with more than 200 shopping malls set alight. Labour held the seat of Batley and Spen in West Yorkshire. The new MP is Kim Ledbetter, the younger sister of the murdered MP Joe Cox, who had previously held the seat. A coroner ruled that 55-year-old Andrew Devine who died 32 years after suffering severe and irreversible brain damage at Hillsborough, was unlawfully killed and is therefore the 97th victim of this terrible disaster. This month also saw the death of darts player Andy Fordham at just 59. So did you guess the month and year? It was July 2021. Maybe next week. Today's story comes from the northeast of England at Balburn, a village in County Durham, three miles to the southeast of the city of Durham. It was approaching 6.17pm on the A1M and perfect visibility when the crash happened. 41-year-old Ian Unit was in his Scania lorry carrying fertiliser on his way north from Cambridgeshire when his lorry crashed into stationary traffic. A previous incident caused by a crane which had spilled some fuel on the hard shoulder had caused traffic to build up and warning signs alerted drivers of delays and advised them to slow down. Although a temporary 50 mile an hour limit was in place, the traffic was, as you can imagine, stop-start and sometimes stationary. Onnitz was travelling at 58 miles an hour when his vehicle struck another HGV and four cars before finally stopping in the central reservation and bursting into flames. He was lucky that brave people caught up in the crash rescued him from his burning cab. A man called Michael Hosty, another lorry driver, kicked in his windscreen and rescued him from the burning wreckage of his lorry. 
Michael, who since the crash has been suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, recalled grabbing him and saying, look mate, if you don't help me out, we are both going to die. It was like a comet on fire, he told police when they arrived at the scene. On it, staggered out of his cab, and in a state of shock, he looked around him and was struck by the sheer horror of the scene. But sadly for him, it wasn't all a terrible nightmare. The carnage all around him had been caused by his actions. One person caught up in the crash was Molly Smith, a pregnant physiotherapist on the way home from buying presents for her dog's birthday when she stopped in the slow traffic. She said, I just felt this impact from behind and I just remember hearing all of a sudden the crashing sounds of metal and then all of a sudden being stopped on the A1M with a load of fire all around me. She said that when the crash first happened, she froze in fear before moving away from the fire as she felt that if she stayed there, she feared that more cars would explode. Another motorist caught up in the crash was Lauren Corton. She saw Onnit's lorry speeding towards her in her mirrors and reached a conclusion that he wasn't going to brake as he raced towards her vehicle and she had to accept that she was going to die. Lauren was seriously injured in the crash, which means she can no longer enjoy the hobbies she enjoyed so much, such as mountain biking and surfing. She now has to take pain relief 24 hours a day. PC Kate Warren was the first police officer on the scene. She would later tell how she started her shift shortly before in a really good mood, after spending the day basking in the summer sun in her garden. She was travelling down the A1 when she noticed a plume of thick black smoke in the distance. As she got closer, she could smell the fire and feel its intense heat, saying, The first thing was the heat. It was like an oven. I've never known anything like it. And PC Gareth Hopps, a police medic, was one of the people summoned to the scene of the crash. He said, It was fairly apparent from the number of calls that we got and the tone of voice from the handlers, that this was a serious crash. When you see a fire and smoke, you know you're going to be attending a bad one, he added. And police body cam footage showed one officer walking through the scene of the carnage and then saying, it's literally like a bomb has gone off. The scene was so chaotic when the first responders arrived, but as usual they did a fantastic job, bringing their calm professionalism to a scene where people were shocked, scared, and needed reassurance. They spoke to as many witnesses as possible, who all told them the same thing, which was that the crash had been caused by Onet's lorry. One motorist thought that he must have fallen asleep as the lorry went first into the hard shoulder, then across the first lane of the carriageway, then close to the central reservation. And others told a similar story. The lorry driver Onet told officers, Everything happened super fast. I didn't have time to react for such a big machine. But officers at the scene knew there was likely to be loss of life, and sadly they were correct. Onet first hit the back of a Vauxhall Crossland, carrying a couple, 57-year-old David Dugleish and his wife, 59-year-old Elaine Sullivan, from Seaham in County Durham. The lorry then smashed into the Toyota driven by Devoted dad, 51-year-old Paul Mullen, with the impact pushing his car under another lorry. 
All three people lost their lives at the crash scene on the motorway that evening. Paul Mullen was able to be identified at the scene, but unfortunately Elaine and David were burnt so badly that they were only identified when police found their dog, Kiva, dead in the road and a scan of the pet's microchip led officers to the names of her owners. One of the officers spoke about the importance of identifying victims officially before they are named on social media and how vital a task officers see this. The same officer also spoke of the horror of identifying the couple and letting relatives know what had happened, saying, Not only are we going to someone's house and letting them know that their loved ones have died, we are getting this information from a chip in an animal. It was absolutely horrendous. At about 7 o'clock p.m., when it was known for sure that people had been killed, Onat was arrested at the scene on suspicion of causing death by dangerous driving. One officer told how he felt a bit sorry for him, saying, It could just have been a momentary lapse in attention, sneezing, a wasp. I didn't know why the accident had happened, and he hadn't been forthcoming in saying so. I felt a bit sorry for him. But Onat, originally from Romania, who was living with his wife and daughter in Shields in South Scotland, was taken into custody. And his mobile phone was routinely taken away for examination, but none of the officers at the scene could have expected just what they found contained on it. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Your support is incredibly important to me, as you know, and helps to make the show the success that it is. Why not visit my socials, particularly Instagram at UK True Crime, to learn more about this podcast and also about something rather special that we've created. That's UK True Crime Bloodhound Gin. Named after that hero of canine crime solvers, this premium gin has been crafted by Chrissy and Simon of Percy Distillery, exclusively for listeners to this podcast. With grassy notes and hints of floral and cinnamon, it's wonderfully delicious and the perfect accompaniment to your favourite podcast, either sitting by the fire or outside under the summer sun. Drinking responsibly, of course. But what is so important is that as well as supporting this podcast, each bottle of Bloodhound Gin sold also makes a donation to PADS, which supports rescue dogs, just like my Buckley and Dizzy Rascal. Incredible. Just head to percydistillery.com UKTC and get 10% off using the code UK2C, and that's UK adults only. Links are in the show notes and the socials, so join the Bloodhound gang, and I really hope you enjoy. Forensic examination of his mobile phone found that Onnit had been repeatedly using the device's web browser throughout his journey from Cambridgeshire, right up until the time of the collision. He'd been looking at internet adult dating sites Shag Today and Mystic Match and had spent almost £50 to buy credits to engage with users there. Onitz was actively looking at profiles and editing his own over a period of 40 minutes leading up to the crash. Records show he'd registered with Shag Today on the 11th of July and with Mystic Match at 3.19pm on the day of the collision. His mobile phone was in constant use from 5.48pm until 6.17pm, the point of impact. He'd been on both sites for views, search and selections, which required him to interact with his handset whilst driving a large goods vehicle. 
The last activity was exactly at 6.17 and 6 seconds, which was exactly the point of impact with the vehicle of Elaine Sullivan and David Dugleish. He'd been utterly oblivious to the stationary vehicles ahead, so obsessed was he with his phone, and he did not even have time to press the brakes at all as he careered into the stationary traffic. Junior Sullivan was at home on the night of the crash. The next morning, his seven-and-a-half-month pregnant wife told him the dreadful news about his parents. He said, My wife came in at five or six in the morning. She handed me the phone, and at the other end of the phone, they told me that my mum had been involved in a car crash and had died, and then told me that my dad had also been killed. He described his mum Elaine as small, five-foot-nothing, strong-willed, strong-minded, strong in general, saying how she brought him up until the age of seven on her own, until she met my dad, my stepdad, who took me on as his own and gave me the keys to the world. He took me on holiday, he took me to football games and did everything he'd want from a dad. Junior also talked about the reality of matters that needed to be looked at while he was still in shock and grief at his loss. It's bad. You don't know if you never had to go through the process before. So plan funerals and stuff and deal with it. There's not a wrong or right answer. You've just got to muddle on. At his trial, Arnott admitted three counts of causing death by dangerous driving. The QC defending him said that he felt remorse and passed on an apology from his client for the devastation that he caused. And for his crime, he was jailed for eight years and ten months and also disqualified from driving for more than 14 years. The judge told him it would have been bad enough if all this had happened because he'd fallen asleep at the wheel. But it was even worse as he'd been trawling the internet for sexual partners and his last interaction on his phone had come just before impact. He told him, Your vehicle, weighing approximately three and a half tonnes, ploughed into lines of stationary traffic at 58 miles an hour. The consequences were catastrophic. I've watched dashcam footage showing an immediate explosion as your truck rammed into the vehicle in front of it. Your truck then careered out of control for 100 metres, destroying everything in its path. You were browsing the internet for 40 minutes, preoccupied with forming casual sexual relationships while driving along the motorway at more than 50 miles an hour in a heavily laden large goods vehicle. At the trial, Orla Mullen, Paul's daughter, said, It's difficult to put into words how much we miss our dad. Losing a parent is something you think will never happen. You always think that they are invincible. My dad was always there for us growing up. We looked up to him. He was the hardest working man I've ever met and ever will meet. He worked so hard for all of us. I miss him coming home every Friday night and shouting hello when he came through the door and giving us all a big hug. And Bethany Clare, the daughter-in-law of Mr. Douglas and Ms. Sullivan, wrote a tribute to the couple following his sentence. It said, I'll spend every minute loving and nurturing our two children that are now two grandparents short. Loving and supporting the husband who's now without parents and honouring your traditions whenever I can. Our children have already lost out on so much. I won't let them miss out on present parents. Urge motorists to ignore their phones to avoid similar tragedies, saying, 
Just put your phone in the glove box when you're driving. Remove the temptation. It's not worth it. Speaking after the sentencing, Sergeant Catherine Ely from Durham Constabulary described the crash as truly harrowing for everyone involved. It was incredibly distressing and upsetting for those who witnessed the collision and for the emergency responders, including police officers, firefighters and paramedics who attended the scene. The horror of what they witnessed that day will no doubt remain with them for many years to come. After the trial, Onut appeared in a BBC programme about the crash. He said the following. The phone was a distraction. It was a really bad choice. Asked if he had a message for the bereaved families, he sighed and replied, There's a million things I could tell people. I want to apologise. I want to say I'm really sorry because I feel really bad for what happened. I feel bad for the people who lost loved ones. People injured who have to suffer with back flashes and injuries for the rest of their lives. It's really hard to accept that, living the rest of your life with that in your head. It's not easy either. And Junior Sullivan watched the documentary and he said this of what the BBC had produced. If people look at it and think, I don't want to be that person, I don't want to be in prison, I don't want to have killed three people, I don't want that on my conscience, look at what it's done to that guy, then hopefully they will take something away from that. So what do you make of what we've heard today? It is of course a terrible story where three innocent people lost their lives and the lives of so many others will never be the same again. So much of what we do in our lives goes through our mobile phones, doesn't it? You're probably using your mobile listening to this podcast. And yet the attention we give them can, as we've heard today, prove fatal. Junior Churchill said that Una didn't go out to kill people on that day, but his use of the mobile phone was the overwhelming factor. He used his mobile phone, that's frustrating, he said. It makes no difference in the grand scheme of things. It won't bring them back, but he's in prison now and he's got to think of it every day and he's got a wife and a child. His daughter has to live with the fact that her dad has taken three lives by something completely avoidable. The only way to change is to teach people about the dangers and the impact on people's lives. It can happen to anyone. And how often do we hear that on this podcast? It can happen to anyone, even you, even me. There are so many aspects of this story that I find distressing. One thing I found difficult was in some of the reporting, which focused on the fact that Onet was trawling for casual sex partners. So what if he'd been on his phone donating money to charity? Would that have been slightly better, slightly worse? Would the media have reported it differently, you wonder? And what of his wife and family who faced the loss of him to jail for a long time? as well as suffering the humiliation of all these details. Then again, maybe, and understandably, maybe you feel no sympathy for him at all. I get that. But how many of us have honestly never been distracted by a mobile phone when driving? Of course, here's an extreme example. I suggest he has paid a heavy price for it. If you haven't watched the BBC documentary about this case, do search for it. It's very graphic and harrowing to watch, but to me, it emphasised again just how professional the police and the other responders were at the scene when faced with a scene of utter chaos 
when people there were scared and wanted reassurance, the emergency services did a fantastic job. Also on that documentary, we see Onert's very upset about what had happened. There's quite a bit of debate about this in some of the forums. What is he sorry for? Is he sorry for the lives he's destroyed? Is it genuine remorse? Or is he more sorry for himself? Take a look, see what you think. But finally, as always on this podcast, our real sympathies lie with the families and friends of those who lost their lives on that summer evening. Just going about their normal business on a normal day, but they never came home. May they rest in peace. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this story or any other aspect of UK True Crime, please just head to the Facebook group where you will find over 90,000 of us talking true crime, UK true crime, 24-7. And support the show, and why wouldn't you, and access bonus episodes, well over 50, and other exclusive content, all for the price of a cup of coffee a month, please just head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. And a huge thank you to the new members of this community at Patreon. That is Neil Sayer and Paula Terry. Thank you so much for your support, which is so much appreciated. And don't forget to look out for my latest Bloodhound Gin video tomorrow. This week I catch up with Simon and Chrissy, the owners of Percy Distillery, about how we started our journeys with podcasts and gin. We've all come from very personal perspectives and feel very closely connected with our audiences. Our conversations, as always, can be found on my Instagram videos at UK True Crime and on all my other social channels. Okay, so that's all from me for another week. One last thing, if you want to check out my weekly blog, you can find it at UKTrueCrime.com, old school. And this week, I discuss why so many true crime podcasts seem to be hanging up their microphone for the last time. We've seen some really good ones stop recently. Take a look there at UKTrueCrime.com and let me know what you think. Okay, so on that bombshell, until we speak again, please do take it easy and despite and despite all the others, stay classy. Cheerio for now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.